Pod people. This is Historical AF. My name is Natalie. And I'm Kina. And we are a historian and a librarian delivering you the funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nugs you never knew you needed in your ear holes. And those holes are see, sweet, secret nothings. <laughs> 56 secret part dose. And I'm excited about this one. Almost couldn't find my notes, but found them. <laughs> Crisis was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I have morbid, but luckily, morbid's not our normal morbid. It's kind of like morbid light. Oh, it's different. I know. It's been a really dark week, guys. I couldn't dig into something incredibly horrific this time. I was like, I need to lighten it up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's turned out to be one of the coolest things I've researched in a while. So I'm really excited about it. Yay. So, since we recorded last, feels like a year ago, what's been going on? <laughs> well, some good news in the sense, because of work is crazy, Emory had the whim of buying an Xbox, the, the new one, because he found out that the new Xbox that's coming out, the Series X, Xbox names are so stupid. They're so confusing. Anyways, apparently when you do that, you will be able to, you don't have to buy the games over again. You can get a newer version of the games you already have for the X1. And so he's like, oh my gosh. So he just got super excited. So he went ahead and bought an Xbox One or One X, whatever the most recent one is. Goddamn. They're so confusing. (laughs) And he let me keep his PlayStation 4. Ooh. I now have a PlayStation 4. That is not really mine, but Emery says it's mine, but I'm like, is it really? We'll see how that goes. <laughs> so I've been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts, which I know is probably really lame. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Kingdom Hearts. I, it's one of my favorites when I was a kid. So for me, it's like the nostalgia, but the acting in Kingdom Hearts 3 is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> So bad. And the story is dumb, <laughs> but it's fun. Like right now I'm on the world of Monsters, Inc. And mm-hmm. I'm going along on doors and you're running around with Sully and Mike Wazowski and little boo. And it's just adorable. <laughs> so I have a lot of fun with that. Oh, that is fun. It's a welcome to like distraction video games. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we bought the switch with our tax return before the world went to dust. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad we have it now. <laughs> my little, my little animal farm person. Just <laughs> although today I put it on the social media, I dug up a copper light, and I'm like, oh man, we covered that in episode six. That that just means fossilized poop. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I learned something. <laughs> but yeah, every day feels like it's like ten months long. I don't remember what I've done since the last time we've recorded. My days are so fast, actually. Like, I do three things, and next thing I know, it's 7 o'clock. That's how it feels like. Just days are going too fast, and I can't believe I've been in quarantine for over two months now. Almost three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. I've only had to leave, but I've had to go to a couple of doctor's appointments, and I'm just like, Ugh. Although today, I had to get my eyes checked, and they made me, they're like, at the door, they took my temperature, and then they put gloves on me. And I had to have a mask on and then like, like put me in like isolation and stuff. I was like, man, this is like <laughs> shit. 
surprisingly, since Texas is like, yeehaw, let's open already. And I'm like, oh no. It's uh it's scary. They're opening gyms. I'm like, how do you not be gross in a gym? Nobody's sanitized before. I don't know. It's all very weird. We got a lot of new Twitter followers lately, and they're all very funny. So if you're listening from our new Twitter people, hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I asked, I think I asked a question, like, how's everybody relaxing and stuff? And I think the first guy was like, I'll be honest, lots of porn. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so honestly, much honesty. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I dig your honesty. Fair enough. Yeah, it was really fun. Somebody said that she was taking Jane Austen-esque walks. And I was like, that is such a lovely way of putting it. She's like, just in my backyard in circles. And I was like, no, I totally got what you're saying. And I love it. Now I want to say it from now on. Just going on a Jane Austen-esque walk around the block. Or my yard. Uh, it makes me think in Pride and Prejudice, they did a walk around the room once. And I'm like, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was super cute. Shall we get rolling? Yes. What shall we start with? Mm, Let's do funny. Okay. Okay. So this being secrets and funny, I found an article that says people reveal the most hilarious secrets they're keeping. So these are just regular average Joe people that have admitted secrets and stuff like that. I found this a week and a half ago, and I barely remember how this goes. So, shall we? (laughs) It's a surprise to you, too. (laughs) Yes. So, this is a mom. A mom caused sort of a big incident in a downtown, in downtown Montreal. This would have been way back in the 1970s, and I was a baby in a carriage, my mom had gone grocery shopping. It was taking a break by brand new, at the time it, it was new, high tech <laughs> for the time, water fountain. And had tons of water jets and it was stirring up and it was like in a bowl shape. And my mom thought this new fountain would have been really cool if it had like bubbles in it. She opened a brand new box of Tide and dumped the entire box of Tide into oh, the water. Now, remember, this was the early 70s. The detergent of today doesn't make so many soapy suds as it did then. And it, (laughs) so it wasn't just the fountain that filled up with soap. It was like the entire square (laughs) (laughs) with soap suds. And my mom didn't run. She just stood there and watched the whole thing. And apparently I was having a good time as I was in the, in the baby carriage, just laughing and playing with my little soap bubbles. And then the fire department showed up, the police showed up, the crew showed up, and the whole thing wound up in newspapers and even in the evening news. Mom never said a thing until years later. And she went, that was me. I tossed a whole box of Tide in there. <laughs> so casual. Oh, that's so badass, Mom. Uh, I know it's like it's such a simple thing, but like very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't want to do that. That'd now. have been really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I told two things you could do there. at that point: panic or just enjoy it. Enjoy it most definitely. <laughs> but it just—it just got so large. Oh man. <laughs> uh, next one is my brother 
got a turtle for his brother back in the day. And my parents had obviously not known much about turtles because eventually the little guy grew out of his habitat and it started to smell up the house. So knowing Shelly wasn't happy, my family decided it was time to relocate him. Their first idea was to find the nearest pond and release him. But my brother didn't want him to have to fight off predators. So we went to our second idea and we hid Shelly in a backpack and took him to our favorite place on the planet. SeaWorld. (laughs) (laughs) And they let him go in the turtle exhibit, a.k.a. Turtle Heaven. And we went back weekly and spotted him out of the bunch. I swear you could see a little turtle smile on his happy little turtle face. That's so wholesome. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully it wasn't disease and (laughs) disease. I know. (laughs) And hopefully it was like the right turtle one. Like, what if it was on the. Yeah, do not recommend. (laughs) I don't, but it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) But such a cute little wholesome kid thought, too. Yeah. Like, I don't want to risk like a hawk or predator. Man, you know. Oh, how sweet. Right. <laughs> this next one is a it's a good one too. They're all good. I'm gonna say that about all of them. In college, I was in one of the stairwells of the academic buildings after hours. And on my way up to the stairs to leave, I stopped to text, and I'm terrible at texting and climbing the stairs. So while I was texting away, someone entered from the floor above me as they started descending, they ripped the loudest wettest nastiest <laughs> part I've ever heard <laughs> followed by a wet sound and oh gross <laughs> this individual turned the corner and locked <laughs> with me she had just shit her pants oh no Thinking she was alone in the building, she was not alone. I walked past her and tried to pretend that I didn't notice. And what had obviously just happened, I coughed and gagged a little. Now she works for the same company I work for in the same building. I see her all the time. Oh my God. She definitely remembers me. And I don't know her name. And I try to avoid eye contact with her. I keep telling myself that one day... I'll say hello and we'll laugh about what happened. We're not there yet. (laughs) Oh, that poor girl. She's probably just like, don't ever talk to me ever. Please don't bring this up. It never happened. God, there's a podcast. Oh, I forgot what it's called. Good, good story. Uh, anyway, the, she ends every episode with a guest. With, Tell me your best pants shitting story. And she says, the great human equalizer. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, not too deep. That's what it's called. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, that's got to take a very confident woman to get on a podcast in every episode. Talk about her pants shitting story. It does take something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it takes something. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my family and they've got man, they have like they need to go to a doctor, honestly, with all their stomach issues. And like they they have stories. Yeah. They don't afraid of it. They just like listen, we know this is a problem, but the story is fucking funny and they will just share it just because of the hilarity of it. They're just (laughs) have no regrets, no regrets whatsoever. 
All right, next up is I Can Sew. Seriously, I'm a six foot, 300 pound biker who drinks scotch and have a half dozen quilts. <laughs> whenever, whenever someone asks about them, they're told that my mother made them for us. The only person that knows is my wife, and she's sworn to secrecy, mostly because I caught her playing Farmville 2, which she's ridiculously embarrassed about. <laughs> Aww. My, oh, this giant biker guy. my uh, so meatball yeah. was like the baby out of like 11 kids, I think. So she didn't know mm-hmm. how to do anything. She couldn't cook or sew. And then my grandpa knew how to do all of it. So he would like mm-hmm. quilt stuff. My favorite uh, quilt came from him. My dad can make clothes. He's good at sewing. He make clothes and redo furniture and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish I was better. But granted, I don't even have a sewing machine. Me mm-hmm. either. I wish I did. But yeah, my great, my uh, Peepaw's mom, she always says she didn't believe in gender roles. And that he was going to learn how to sew and cook, which was always a good thing because my meemaw couldn't do shit. But I was like, how cool is that? Because that was like early 1900s, a woman being like, you're a man, you're going to learn how to sew. And I was like, it's pretty badass. That is one thing I like about my dad. Like as much of an asshole he's been in my life, and he never said I couldn't do anything because I was a girl. If anything, he encouraged it because I was a girl. Mm-hmm. Like, he was all about, if I was little, there was a time I, I considered playing football. He was like, let's do it. Let's, let's fine. But I liked basketball and other sports better, so I just stick with those. But, yeah. Uh, but any anything, he just, like, no. He was always encouraging me. Didn't matter. And he didn't mind it was sewing and cooking and all that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad, bless his heart, didn't know how to do anything. He tried so hard to cook. So hard. I've got two more. And so this next one is one time while my grandmother was babysitting me as a kid, she fell asleep on the sofa while leaving bacon cooking on the stove. I ate the bacon and left the oil in the pan at a low heat. And while she woke up, told her she had left the bacon on the stove for so long, it had completely fried away. For some reason, she actually believed me. And for more than 15 years later, the bacon soup incident is occasionally brought up. Everyone is now convinced bacon can completely vaporize in a pan and carefully watch over it. That is like a mastermind right there. How old was the kid? (laughs) Does it say? Because that's some quick thinking on your feet. I don't know. I'm guessing like 10, 10 10-ish. That's brilliant. Brilliant last i'm going to read there are several more on this so i mean we'll put it on our page like we do but the last one and i actually kind of laughed at this one pretty good because it just amuses me (laughs) it says almost two decades ago a friend and i borrowed a 25 pound cement pig from a neighbor's house and have been continually sending postcard updates from said pig to the <laughs> <said> neighbor's house. <laughs> the postcards chronicle said pig's adventures. And I'm not even sure if it's the same family that lives there. <laughs> oh, that's so much better. <laughs> that's what gets me. It's like, I still keep getting these. I don't know if these people are still there. 
but I'm getting the big chronicle. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and it's a neighbor. Like the pig is probably across the street. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Yep. I thought y'all would enjoy that. These made me laugh. <laughs> like, I mean, I have a cement cow in the front yard. It's just been in the family forever, you know? And then I got a cement bulldog <laughs> in the backyard. And that's where our house key is. Don't rob me. So. Well, and it could be for a... Um... <laughs> it could be for a, like, Razorbacks, you know, mm-hmm. that- Arkansas things. Oh, yeah. hogs. So it could be for a team, a hog or somebody. Woo pig suey. Good God. It's the dumbest ever. It is. I don't know if you guys know the beauty that is the woo pig suey, but like it's gotten to the point where people come to Arkansas for like concerts and refuse to come back because they won't stop calling the hogs. <laughs> so stupid. I like the Razorback logo and I'm like, I'm all about the logo and the color. Oh, yeah. Oh my bad. But the woo pig suey is <laughs> so dumb. And it's like every time somebody from Arkansas is on TV, that's how they like introduce like on The Bachelor. That was how she introduced herself. Like one of them called the hogs. Another one handed him a wiener and was like, I'm from Wiener, which I thought was kind of funny. You know, yeah, that's funny. But it's like, why call the hogs every time you meet somebody new out of state? You're just gonna startle people. They don't understand us. And we're not very good. We lose a lot, but we're so proud. <laughs> yeah, some we always are okay. Some, yeah. And we always blame the coach, but who knows? Uh, who knows? I always wonder that. I remember asking my papa that, like, who's it really at fault, the players or the coach? And they always always blame the coach, though. And, like, we'll fire him if he doesn't win the games or all the stats and stuff. Ugh, sports ball. <laughs> All right, so morbid. It's gonna be like morbid light because I I just couldn't get too dark. I mean, there's still a lot of murder. Don't get me wrong, but just less. Oh, good, because I mean, I would think something wrong if there wasn't at least murder or cannibalism or something. I don't know about you, but when it's Nazis getting murdered, I don't feel bad. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't really make me feel bad. So here we go. We're going to talk about Russia's secret weapon in World War II. Lady Death. She was a badass. So badass that she was quoted as saying, quote, The only feeling I have is the great satisfaction a hunter feels who has killed a beast of prey about murking out some Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) So pumped. (laughs) Okay, so Ludmila Pavlachenko was the most successful female sniper in history, and she's one of the most successful snipers, period, ever, throughout the world. Interesting. And our girl terrorized Hitler's army, which is just simply amazing and makes me happy. As a member of the Soviet army during World War II, she killed 309 Nazis, and that's just confirmed kills, which I learned to have a confirmed kill you have to have a witness. So she killed more people. There were just no witnesses. And she earned the badass nickname Lady Death or Stalin's Angel of Death. Mm-hmm. She also became a public figure who toured North America and Britain. She befriended Eleanor Roosevelt and spoke candidly about gender equality, especially when she was fed up with American reporters because they were being dickheads. 
and we're going to get into that later. So, Pavlochenko was born in 1916 in a small town in Ukraine, and it was a part of Russian Empire at that part. At that point, as a girl, she was boisterous and competitive, and some people called her a tomboy because that's what you do when a girl can shoot a gun and yeah, you know, whatever. That's just the moniker you get. Like many young people in the Soviet Union at the time, she participated in the oh shit. Okay, I looked this up, and I'm still gonna butcher it. The Osovieka, which is a uh, military sporting organization that teaches youths weapon skills and etiquette, which is a fun mix. <laughs> One thing is like shoot your gun. Learn your forks. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works, but you never know. <laughs> In her early teens, she moved with her parents, who were a government employee and a teacher, to Kiev. After hearing her neighbor's son brag about his shooting skills, she, quote, set out to show him that a girl could do as well as him. And she later explained, quote, so I practiced a lot. Besides being an amateur sharpshooter, the teenage Pavlichenko worked in an arms factory. Around 16 years old, she married a doctor and gave birth to a son, Rostolov, but the marriage was short-lived. She then went on to study history at Kiev University starting in 1937 while also enrolling in a sniper school on the side. How bad is that? I'm going to go study history, but I'm also going to become a sniper. I can do both. (laughs) And then... And then German forces invaded the Soviet Union in 1941, and Pavlichenko felt a call to action. She left school hoping to volunteer for the Red Army's 25th Rifle Division. The only problem? She was a woman. And at the time, women in the Soviet military were largely relegated to support roles, not combat ones. Quote, she looked like a model with well-manicured nails, fashionable clothes, and a hairstyle. Pavlichenko told the recruiter that she wanted to carry a rifle and fight, and the man just laughed at her and asked if she knew anything about rifles. That came from the SovietAwards.com. <laughs> and uh, even after she pre- like presented her marksman certificates, but she had a lot of them, and a sharpshooter badge from the, oh, I have to say it again, Osovietcom, <laughs> officials still urged her to become a nurse instead. I'm like, no, honey. Don't be silly. You gotta be a nurse. Then... She was allowed in, and because of a lack of guns, she had to help dig trenches when she began. And she wrote in her memoirs, quote, It was very frustrating to have to observe the course of battle with just a single grenade in one's hand. So, there's two accounts of what happens after that. And uh, I'll just give you both of them. And I don't know which one's real, because I could not figure out which actually happened. So, the first version is that she's digging trenches, and eventually a colleague was wounded by a shell splinter. And he passed his rifle over to Pavlichenko when he was too injured to use it. Weeks later, she shot two Romanian soldiers a quarter mile away. And it served as a baptism of fire that led to her being accepted by her comrades. And then she became a full-fledged sniper. And then the second version is that the Red Army gave her an audition. Being like, oh, you think you can shoot better than us? There's two Romanians downrange. Shoot them. We'll see what you got. And then she shot them down like Two bullets, two people, just with ease. And they were like, fuck yeah, join the Red Army. So I'm not sure which one's real, but both are pretty badass. Whatever the case, she became one of the 2,000 female Soviet sharpshooters who eventually fought in World War II. And then, which that's only 2% of the Red Army, put in perspective. And then she was only one of 500 that survived. Well, that's impressive. 
Mm-hmm. Russia got hit bad in mm-hmm. World War II. They lost a lot of people. So, snipers in these battles fought between enemy lines, often far from their companies. It was extremely dangerous and careful work, and it meant that she had to sit perfectly still for hours on end to avoid detection from any enemy snipers. After making a name for herself in Odessa and Moldova, Pavlichenko moved to Crimea to fight the Battle of Sevastopol. Her reputation earned more dangerous assignments, eventually facing off with one of the enemy snipers. The Smithsonian reports that she dueled and killed 36 enemy snipers, some of whom were highly decorated themselves. Pavlichenko killed hundreds of enemy combatants in Odessa, Moldova, and Sevastopol. Quote, we mowed down the Hitlerites like ripe grain. I was like, man, that's quite the quote. And she said it was one of the tensest experiences of her life. But among all the death and suffer- suffering, she found love. Oh, romantic. It, I know. Like, what movies are made of. So she met Alexei Kitsinko, and they were soon married, and they shared a trench on the front line. <laughs> <laughs> The couple spent the first days of their marriage hunting German Nazis. I mean, romance, right? And she said that the honeymoon had a positive effect on her shooting. (laughs) Bow chicka, wow, wow. But the marriage would not last long. I give you happiness, and then I turn it to dust. In 1942, Alexei was wounded by a shell. And although Pavlichenko had been wounded herself three times, she knew her husband's injuries were worse, and she drug him to safety from the trenches. And despite getting medical attention, he died in her arms. You're so sad. So sad. It takes such a turn. I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's such a beautiful love story. And he's dead. Moving on. It was a... uh, (laughs) It was a really shitty time for her, and she was diagnosed what would be called post-traumatic stress disorder today. So she had shell shock. That's what they called it back then. Like, this this kind of, like, really ended her career. But also, she also got uh, struck with shrapnel in the face. So that also had something to do with it. Sucks. But she was so determined that shell shock and multiple wounds of enemy fire didn't deter her. Neither did bribes. After German soldiers learned of her shooting prowess, they tried to turn her against her own country by offering her chocolate. I'm not making this up. Chocolate. It does make me feel better. (laughs) They tried to offer chocolate, and then they promised her an officer rank in the German army. So basically, she's there to kill all the Germans. They go over an overhead speaker, and they're like, hey, lady, we'll make you an officer, and we'll give you some candy. Come to our side. And she's like, fuck off and shot them all in the face. I really like this girl. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. And then after she was like, fuck it, I'm not, no. And like, she was very committed to her country, motherland. And then the Germans were like, fuck you, I'm going to tear you into 309 pieces, which were her confirmed kills. And she was reportedly delighted because it meant that they knew her tally. Like she's like, they know how many people I've killed. This is amazing. Good day. <laughs> I mean, I would keep that. Like, okay, keep it exciting. Yes. And she spent eight months fighting in Sebastopol, and she earned praise from the Red Army and was promoted. 
On several occasions, she was wounded, but it was only after she took the shrapnel to the face that the Red Army decided that they were going to remove her from combat and assign her to train novice snipers. And then she was also given another role as a wartime propagandist. So in 1941, Russia is struggling and the U.S. is fighting Japan and Russia is still fighting the Nazis. So Joseph Stalin calls up the U.S. and is like, hey, FDR, my dude, can you help brother out? My ass is getting kicked over here. I need some help. And then old Franklin's like, sorry, dude, like I have Congress. I got all these people. They don't want to go to war any more than we have to, you know, because democracy. And he's like, can't help you. So Stalin's like, all right, I got it. I'm going to send over Pavlochenko. Huge sniper, big fucking deal. Greatest sharpshooter of all mankind. Our secret weapon. They will, you know, change your mind. So then Pavlochenko travels to the United States on a mission to galvanize support for American sustained troops to Europe instead of just the, you know, Japanese front. And then her first stop was White House. And she became the first Soviet citizen to visit the United States. And then she met with FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt. And FDR's like, oh, my God, I thought you were going to be a dude. And then Eleanor's like, we're going to be best friends. Fuck <laughs> 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 uh, yes. <laughs> and they hit it off immediately because Eleanor was like a huge human rights advocate. She was a huge feminist and she was super pumped about hearing about a woman being the best sharpshooter of all time. And they sat down and they talked about how in Russia it's not about race. It's not about gender. It's just about, you know, defending the motherland. And Eleanor was like. Yes, let's do this. So then Eleanor invited Pavlochenko to tour the entire country to talk about her experiences in combat. And she thought that taking this on the road would get people excited about joining the war effort. So it actually worked. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever really heard of this, that you know, know. Russian sniper is really who got people pumped about going to Europe. Because if we hadn't have gone to Europe, we like helped storm the beaches of normandy per se you know we wouldn't have been able to help the western front so this is really exciting and i was really pumped pavlychenko recalled quote to tell the truth at the start of this u.s trip i was prejudiced against eleanor she was an aristocrat and millionaires and a member of an exploiting class she thought it never occurred to me that it could be of interest that i could be friends with this remarkable woman and at one point during a long car journey, she said she woke up mortified to find that she had fell asleep on Miss Roosevelt's shoulder. And then Eleanor smiled to her like nothing was the matter. And boom, they were besties. <sighs> Such a sweet story. And then, you know, the U.S., the press starts hearing about this girl sniper sent from Russia. And she starts doing town hall meetings and press briefings. But it didn't really go well because... <sighs> People are dicks. But Eleanor's like, you got this. Let's go out there and shame people into joining the second front. <laughs> Ooh, I just dropped my pen. And then, so speaking through a translator to crowds that sometimes swelled to thousands, Pavlochenko discussed her childhood and then triumphs as a sniper. Quote, I am 25 years old and I have killed 309 fascist occupants by now. She reportedly told one group, oh, this is my favorite line ever. Don't you think, gentlemen, that you've been hiding behind my back for too long? <laughs> burn <laughs> I love it so much that's <laughs> because they're looking at her ass oh probably yeah and yeah so the American press however had been you know they didn't really want to take her seriously they described her as girl sniper and they focused on her physical appearance disparaging her bulky green army uniform and minimal makeup 
Instead of asking her about her skills with a rifle, reporters were asking her about nail polish, hairstyles, and whether female Soviet soldiers could wear makeup in battle. Oh, my God. This totally makes me think of uh, Scarlett Johansson when she's doing Black Widow and, like, all of her interviews after doing Black Widow were all like, how did you stay in shape? How did you? It's, like, all about diet and, like, cosmetics and stuff versus, like, how did you get into the character? What did, how what was it like on set or working mm-hmm. years? But no, it was all about like how do you stay so thin? Yeah, <laughs> I think at one point she was like, you would never ask, you know. Oh yeah, she called out this shit. This shit, yeah, oh, mm-hmm. bullshit. Well, no, I, didn't, I feel such a disappointment. Like, yeah, sure, she's wearing a light makeup in combat, and I'm wearing no makeup at home. Like, <laughs> don't wear yeah, like as this. Well, this is what she said. She says, there's no rule against makeup, but who has the time to think about their shiny nose when battle is going on? So, yes, Pavlachenko. Yes. As she explained to one interviewer, quote, I am amazed at the kind of questions put to me by the women press correspondents in Washington. Don't they know that there is a war? They ask me silly questions such as, do I use powder or rouge and nail polish or do I curl my hair? One reporter even criticized the length of my skirt and my uniform, saying that in America, women wear short skirts. And besides, my uniform made me look fat. This made me angry. I wear my uniform with honor and has been in the order of linen on it. It has been covered with blood and battle. It is plain to see that the American women don't know what's important. And it doesn't matter whether or not I wear silk underwear under this uniform. What the uniforms stand for, they have not yet to learn. I so agree partly with that. Yes. So she was Very killed. Well but like, who the fuck asked? Like, what kind of underwear are you wearing? Like, bitch, I'm shooting Nazis in the face. You are, you are not seeing the point here. Or priority. Priorities. Unless <sighs> it's like, do you get wedgies while you're at, right after shooting? Like, is that <laughs> the problem? Because I want to make sure how you can get 100% focus. Like, that's the only thing I'm thinking that that could be relevant. <sighs> yeah, I just... Mm-hmm. Like, it's covered in mud. Why would she put on blush? I don't understand. This is... Or you're rolling around, you're, you're sweating, just, you're exercising. It just shows, like... And especially at this point, America was so isolationist, you know. World War One, we fought worldwide, but that was the only war. Like, we're like, we're over here. Not our problem. <laughs> uh, stay away. It's like we had no concept of what was going on. Ugh, so stupid. So comparing gender equality in the U.S. and the Soviet Union, she also told crowds, quote, now in the U.S., I'm looked upon as a little curiosity, a subject for newspaper headlines for anecdotes. In the Soviet Union, I'm looked upon as a citizen, a fighter, and a soldier for my country. Mic drop. She had a wild time and even got a random marriage proposal from somebody she had never met. And then, bizarrely, the first lady encouraged her to take up the offer, telling her, you would be marrying a gentleman of means who is madly in love with you and would guarantee you a happy life to end your days. And if you remain here, we would be able to, I'm just adding this in, hang out. It didn't say. It said to visit or something. But yeah, she just like, marry this guy so we can be friends forever. (laughs) And then she's like, nah, thanks. (laughs) America's not for me, dude. (laughs) I'm out. So, as she was leaving, the suitor handed her a diamond necklace, two bracelets, and a brooch and a ring that was $8,000 worth of diamonds. 
in like 1940. That has to be way more now. I guess I could have done the inflation calculator, but I did not. So she apparently took the bling with her. So yes, girl. And then she moved on <laughs> to Britain where people were less shitty, but she was still not too thrilled. And she was given an audience with Winston Churchill who asked her if the British fog was getting her down. And she said, no, the fog is a good camouflage. There's probably less trouble from enemy aircraft. And he was just like, I don't know how to talk to you. So, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I have moments like this, especially when people send like dumbass texts. I'm like, how? I don't know how to respond to this. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you expect me to say? <laughs> yes. So Pavlychenko eventually returned to the Soviet Union to continue training other snipers. Despite her relatively privileged position as a heroic figure there, she struggled with the lasting effects of her injuries and personal demons like the alcoholism and post-traumatic stress disorder, which I don't blame whatsoever because there's no way to help you. Nobody knew what it was. And then, you know, the memories of her husband that died in her arms on the front lines kind of, kind of a, did a toll on her but after the war she rose to the rank of major and she started began working as a research assistant for the soviet navy and then she earned her history degree from the kiev university and was promoted to historian of the soviet navy so fuck yeah historian (laughs) and then this is the sweetest thing during the cold war eleanor roosevelt was sent to russia to like drink some vodka and wear a cool hat and be like see it's not so bad in the U.S. and Russia. And then the guy's like, you're just here to look pretty. And she's like, nah, bitch, I'm Eleanor Roosevelt. You can't tell me what to do. You're going to take me to my friend's house. So they find somebody that takes her to Pavlachenko's apartment. And this, she is a war hero. And she's in this tiny two-room apartment, which makes me sad. Like, at this point, you think the country would take care of her. But it's like somebody knocks on the door. She goes to the door. And it's freaking Roosevelt. And apparently she had a, a they call it a minder, like a political person with her. And so at first they like sat down and were being kind of like reminiscent and very uh, reserved. And then Roosevelt came up with an excuse, like, will you come with me? And they went around the corner and then they just like started crying and like hugging and reminiscing about the, the, the tour 15 years earlier. It just makes me so happy. Like, they were like really legit friends. Mm, this is nice. It's like these two women saved so many lives with that tour. They engendered the public to join the war effort. They're just happy to see one another. And it was still a dark time. <laughs> a little bit of light and a lifetime of struggling. And here she died in Moscow <laughs> in 1974 <laughs> at the age of 58. And her lifetime score was 390, or 390, 309 kills. And it places her in the top five snipers of all time. And it's likely much, much more because, like I said, you have to have a third person to witness. And they also say it's incredibly likely she has more kills because in one time, somebody wrote down that she killed 16 Romanians with 17 bullets. Like, she only missed one time. Like who or has took two bullets maybe to kill someone? Maybe, but like who has that kind of accuracy? I just 
And I thought this was fascinating. This is from the memoir about her. She says that sniping does not just require an iron nerve, but the ability to solve complex mathematical problems. And you have to do so swiftly. So in one example, in December 1941, she was targeting some German firing machine guns. And they were half track traveling at an estimated 15 mile per hour. This seems like a math problem. And I immediately was like, nope, checked out. But then I was like, (laughs) (laughs) she said, I had to do I had a minute to solve a ballistic problem. She later wrote, knowing her bullet would travel the 220 yards to target in 0.25 seconds. She established that the vehicle would travel just over four yards in the same amount of time using the concept of Miller. Millardians, Millardry, I don't know. In my calculations, <laughs> I don't do math. She recollected, I turned the windage drum on the metal tube of the sight several units and softly pressed the trigger with my index finger. The machine gun gunners never knew what hit them. Like she did math in a split second and was able to get people like over 200 yards away moving. Wow. Lord. And then people that were there said, quote, the expression of surprise never left their face. What? (laughs) Jesus. So she was remarkable. And uh, she never expressed remorse for anybody that she killed, although she objected to hunting animals for sport. Quote, forest creatures seem to be defenseless and unfortunate in the face of humans armed with rapid fire rifles. I did not approve of hunting animals, and I still don't. So I thought that was interesting, too. She wouldn't kill animals, but she'd kill some Nazis. Well, war is different. Yeah. Than just hunting for sport. I have trouble killing spiders, but I don't care when I hear about Nazis dying. It's a very weird... I'm just nervous with people. Yeah. It's not... Especially in this kind of scenario, when it comes to wars and stuff, like I will, uh, innocent people, things like that, you know, will hit hard. But casual casualties of war like that, I don't know. Yeah. So the Soviet Union honored her with multiple medals and two postage stamps after her death. A joint Ukrainian-Russian feature film, Battle of Sevastopol, was made about her in 2015, which I need to watch now. And then mm-hmm. she has the memoirs, Lady Death, the memoirs of Stalin Sniper. And it was published in English for the first time last year. And she also lives on in Woody Guthrie's 1942 song, Miss Pavlichenko, which includes the lyrics, Miss Pavlichenko's well known to fame. Russia's country fighting is your game. The world will always love you for all time to come. 300 Nazis fell by your gun. <laughs> Just in it, little ditty with you. But yeah, that's that's, uh, Pavlichenko. Such a badass. And who knew? I know, right? That's really cool. And the fact that he still acknowledged her. I mean, it's one thing when they're like, you're a girl, and like, what makeup do you wear? I mean, that's bullshit. But at least they let her keep killing. She's a badass for that to get in the way of stuff. Well, that's the thing. It's like in Russia, at first, they're like, no way, you're a girl, blah, blah, blah. And then she just shoots some people and we're like, all right, you're in. Yeah, like, they're just like, I'm not going to give a shit I'd rather, I'd rather I'd rather you on my team. <laughs> <laughs> I had it been like that. God, she was remarkable. It's really sad, though. Like, it really hurts my heart. Just, you know, all the people that suffered after World War II because there's nothing. Nobody knew what was happening, you know, with like yeah. PTSD and stuff. 
Which not to say they get a whole lot of help now, which is still a problem. I'm not. At least now there's awareness and yes. at least, you know, by people that are talking about it, but it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of uh, <laughs> the Dresden Files. I just heard an excellent quote. The main character is trying to figure out why this mercenary, like, are you supernatural? Like, you, you didn't miss. He's like, what's the point of shooting if you miss? And it just makes me think about her awesome kills. 16 kills with 17 bullets. So either someone took twice, mm-hmm. one miss, it's like, yeah. Gonna miss, so. I would imagine maybe somebody got it twice. I don't think she missed. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I think a lot of it too is maybe we weren't taught because, you know, we've always had such a heated relationship with Russia since the Cold War. Oh, so maybe yeah. we just haven't learned a whole lot about Russian history, but. Honestly, I feel like just my knowledge is just so lacking <laughs> in everything in the sense that uh, it's just been brushed over in so many ways. Uh, I, I think my teachers were were good, or at least had good intentions, but it still was sort of blown over and just sort of generalized. Like, I, I definitely wouldn't remember that. I don't think they would go like Russia and the specific awesome sniper woman. Like, no, yeah. wouldn't have been, wouldn't have made it. Well, like school, it's you have an entire universe of history to teach in a semester, and just you can only hit the huge points. So, unless you're taking like specific classes yeah. in like college, like I didn't learn about a lot of specific cool history until I was taking a class. Like I took 1912 to 1940 six or something and it's like the only time I got to learn about specifics or one and two and uh <laughs> so yeah I, oh, I did not know she existed till Drunk History did a episode on her and I was like holy shit <laughs> they only did the Eleanor Roosevelt part but I was like who the who is this but I just thought it was really cool that Russia's secret weapon was a woman it's like, hell oh, yeah Zeke's like, I'm seeing a, a trend in all your women lately or murdering men. I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't start. fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't, don't think about that. Because I can find inspiration. <laughs> There's a TikTok where they're like, where's your husband? She's like, oh, he's in the garden. They're like, oh, I didn't see him. And then she's like, oh, you might have to dig a little. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> that's funny. No, it's fine. I like him <laughs> enough not to murder him now. At this point in time. <laughs> it's been a long time in the house together. <laughs> Emery and I did good being quarantined for so long. We had our nice little routine. I would wake up, do a little work. He'd wake up at noon. <laughs> then I cook breakfast for us at noon. <laughs> <laughs> he would do a little work and I would continue to work and just I don't know. We just had a nice little rhythm going and and he he's one that we left each other alone like most of the day and then in the evening my only thing was I'm like I don't care if you want to eat your meals in front of the TV or whatever but I just would like to eat dinner together. Mm-hmm. Only thing. Mainly cuz he eats so fast. And so <laughs> like 10 minutes and he's done and I'm like just now fix my plate, you know. <laughs> 
So my, my only deal is like, let's eat dinner together. And, and then that's it. Uh, but then we started doing our movie nights and then video games came into play. So it was good. It was actually a lot of fun. Still don't want to live together, though. We've decided that. <laughs> We're not there yet. Yeah. We, we, if anything, we might be neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've been living together for so long. Just now he doesn't go anywhere. Mm. He's getting spoiled because I just like bring him breakfast while he has his feet propped up on my desk. He's invading my office. I know. He, he Emery said I made him fat. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, I don't know how I'm going to function when I go back to my apartment because he doesn't know how to cook all that much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been practicing like bed and breakfast breakfasts and they're very oh, yeah. fancy, but they're very fattening. So he's like, Jesus Christ, woman. I <laughs> Like just just let it happen. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. Oh. All right. Are you ready for the weird? I am. This is when you were super excited about, it, isn't it? That and the fun and the funny one because just like like the woman pooping in her pants. I mean, come on, that's <laughs> hilarious. It is. And then the eye contact. Oh my god, <laughs> felt so bad. Worst nightmare. <laughs> So embarrassing. <laughs> Feel for that person. If anybody wants to tell their worst secrets on uh, our next listener story, <laughs> I'm a game. We can keep it anonymous. Anonymous, if- yes. Yeah. Uh, you can even make up your own email and then send it to yeah, us. Yeah, that'd, that'd be amazing. Just like, please don't tell my name. And there's this, and it's really funny. Or someone else's secret. That's always good, too. Yeah, it's no <laughs> fun for me. I can't say mine because my mom listens to this. I'd be so disappointed. <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted to tell a couple of my family's crazy ass stories. But we'll see how I feel later. <laughs> I might have burned them enough as it is. All right. So this weird is places. I looked for secret places around the world. And they're not secret places as in you're not allowed to go to, you're hidden, but these are actually like tourist places that not many people know about. Oh, cool. You can go to, that they're, they are there. And let's get started. All right. I've noticed that, like, I don't know if it's all of them, but there's quite a few in China. I guess China's just got that special, specialness. Anyways, so this one is the Reed Flute Caves in China. And basically, it's the northern lights in a cave. Oh, wow. fucking beautiful. That sounds amazing. Here, I'm going to pop over to the comments on the Facebook page. I'm going to put this link in there so y'all can see it, too. Those that are watching us live or ourselves. If you want to watch us live, join Patreon, patreon.com slash but Mm-hmm. Shameless plug. Oh, what did I do? Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Did I mean to do that? What did you do? I put it on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I went to click it. That, that does not need to be there. <laughs> Whoops. I'm, I can do technology. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, the... Reed Flute Cave, it's not a regular place for your average tourist. However, it's gradually becoming popular, at least among the locals. And one striking feature about it is its multicolor 
paintings sort of on the wall, which make it, it's like a 240 meter long cave with a unique and beautiful feel. And this cave has an existence. It's been there for over 1200 years. How is that real? Are you looking it at your screen? So is it beautiful? beautiful? It looks like a painting. Like you said, it doesn't look like it could possibly exist. Uh-huh. Oh my God. As I'm ancient sure. as it is. And it, it just makes me think of like a rich painting, Northern lights kind of feel. Cause it's iridescent. Yeah. Right. And beautiful. Oh, it is so soothing with like all the good colors. Oh my God. It's so pretty. I know. Like the <laughs> oranges and yellows, greens. It's like a rainbow. Yeah. Little yeah. subtle pinks and purple. I did not know this existed. This is so cool. So it's like these little hidden gems around our world. Never knew. Uh, I'm going to go to the next one, and that is Red Beach, China. Ooh. And it's basically what it is. It looks kind of like a marsh to me in the sense that it's just basically a lot of red ground with water sort of going in and out of it, like a shape. And what that red is, it's actually a seaweed called sueda. Not, there's going to be a lot of mispronunciations on this. <laughs> I think if I pronounce something more correctly, then there, you know there's something wrong. That's when the apocalypse is starting. <laughs> <laughs> it's red because of the seaweed. And the surprising thing about the Hanjin Red Beach is that you'll hardly, you'd hardly see any grain of sand thanks to the sueda. Oh, wow. The seaweed that gives the beach its red color starts growing from April and it stays green all through the summer and then turns red in autumn. Oh, wow. That's that's cool. That's beautiful. Oh, red's my it looks favorite looks like a color. science fiction film almost. It does. It does. Um, and it houses like 260 birds of like species of birds and like 400 kinds of animals. It's just like a crazy ecosystem. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Next is the Gates of Hell. Oh, man. Is this the one in, like, the Dakotas? No, it's not. There's another one? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of Gates to Hell. Is there, like, (laughs) Gate and West Gate? (laughs) (laughs) This is a deep gas crater. It's located in, what is it, Turkmenistan? Turkmenistan. Great. Um, <laughs> Zeke had a layover there once. <laughs> okay, cool. It's one I'm like, I know I've heard it, but I'm like, couldn't quite make my mouth work to what I've heard. Thank you, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it, it came into existence just over 40 years ago. When some geologists drilling for oil discovered the natural gas, they set the place on fire as a way to stop the natural gas from being a potential bomb, but the fire never stopped burning. Oh, my God. So it just continuously just smolders, and it's just this giant, like, crater gate of hell, basically. That's terrifying. It is a little, (laughs) I'm like... There's so much wrong with that. One, like, drilling for oil is so bad and toxic. I know we need it, but still it's terrible. And Oh, and there's gas? Let's set it on fire. Like (laughs) It's very unsettling. (laughs) And it just doesn't stop. So for 40 years, it's been on fire. Continuously burning. 
Uh, next up is the Antelope Canyon in Arizona. Ooh. It appears that, so basically think of your classic Grand Canyon, but a lot smoother and then like just craters and like, I just like a river has cut through rock. And so you've got holes mm-hmm. in it. And it's just like this really, just really cool texture happening. Like, if rock could be wind, that's what it would be. It's like streaks of wind and water has just worn this thing down. It just looks really cool. Oh, yeah. So the water carved out these crevices over a million years ago, and the water that came out refractured the lights, which struck upon every wall on the crevices. The result is what we see. And thanks to the refraction, the rocks assumed various colors. So that's how we get all these blends of oranges and stuff. Oh, that's so cool. Man, my sister just moved to Arizona. So now I need to be like, we need to go. <laughs> I need to see these. Next up is these glacier caves. With a word I really can't pronounce. Like, <laughs> that Najokal? Great. Oh. Um, inside the caves, a lot of things go on every season. The ice found in the caves take different shapes every year. It changes its form from super large teeth bulging from ice to large waves held in a suspended maze of continuous chambers. It makes the cave generate a, a, like a phantasm, multiple colors and depending on the shade. So basically think of the bat cave, like (laughs) Mr. Freeze's bat cave. (laughs) so pretty it looks like something out of a sci-fi movie it doesn't it does. look real it does not just oh, wild a cave of um wonders made of almost of metal because it's just the shiny blues and silver and i just need like a touch of pink and purple here and there yeah freezing how cool it looks like it's constantly in motion i don't know if it is but it looks like it is probably, it does. probably water it- or the sky above it, maybe, because it's a glacier. That's oh. so cool. Uh, next up is the Lake of Blood. Ooh. <laughs> I like how we go to, like, majestic to, like, gates of hell. And then, like, ooh, blues and cools and majesticness. And blood. Lake of Blood. <laughs> and, of course, like, the first thing you think is, like, piranhas and sharks in it and everything. Uh, oh. It does look like a scene out of Jaws. (laughs) This is located in Bolivia. Bolivia. It's originally called Laguna, Colorado. And it's surrounded by an island called Borax. And the reddish color of the lake comes from red pigmentations produced by an algae. Oh. It's a boring reason. It's just algae. (laughs) That's it. Can you imagine was, being the first person to discover that? I'd be like, what? What the fuck is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you know, somebody thought that was blood and panicked and passed out or some shit. Yeah. Demons. Oh, Demon. man. That would be terrifying to be the first person that doesn't know what algae is yet. The next one is in Italy. It's a monastery of Santa Maria del Asola in Tropia. I have no idea if I pronounced any of that right, but there we go. That sounded great. He, yay. <laughs> um, the 
first built far back in the 12th century and has the perfect go-to vacation place for anyone who wants to get the best privacy and secrecy. Ask any Italian. It's just like a, just a really cool building and island to go to. Ooh, I've always wanted to go to a monastery. It just seems like such a cool place. Plus, like, most books that survived because of monasteries, and I just want to, like, pay my respects. <laughs> Thanks for spending your entire life writing one book, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'm going to skip down, if y'all follow along, to number 12, The Boiling River. Oh. This is in Peru. Is first discovered by scientist Andres Ruzo. His colleagues didn't believe him at first when he told them that it was a boiling river. And I wouldn't so have either. <laughs> they basically had to grab them to, I wouldn't, yeah, it'd be hard <laughs> to see it for themselves. And ever since then, the boiling river became a tourist attraction. However, it's one place that's not yet fully explored by many people. Uh, probably this is because the boiling river is surrounded by the Amazon jungle in Peru. And you can take your coffee right there with you when you visit because <laughs> you not need a coffee maker to do the job. So you can just put that right in there. Peru oh, is on my like top five of the places I want to go as soon <laughs> as we can, like, travel or, you know. We're going to jump down to number 10 and that's the psychedelic salt mines Ooh. Russia. Huh. The word you want to give it a try? What it's called? Yekaterinburg. Perfect. All right. Uh, <laughs> so many vowels. <laughs> Russia is so hard. I'm so sorry. I know we have Russian listeners because I can see it on our little map thingy, but <laughs> I'm so sorry. It, it's a beautiful language and I wish I could, but mm. it's hard. I know Emery can speak it somewhat. Um, <sighs> jealous impressive. of him. Yeah. Anyway, so this place is in Russia, and it is beautiful to me. It's, again, I think, kind of Grand Canyon Cave-like. It's all orange and stuff. It's got these carvings in it that are swirled. Uh, the reason for this, that the salt mines have psychedelic patterns on its walls, the patterns would not only provide an illusion, but they also, like, are mind-baffled. And according to scientists, carnalite is responsible for the patterns, and... This carnalite is a mineral that produces colorful swirls and with the piece. And that's just really what it is. It's just this one thing that's creating this. I wouldn't mind. And in the article, it suggests like making a house out of it. I'm like, I would be okay with that. It's beautiful. It's almost like cave art came to life in color, you know, just it's so cool. I wouldn't have thought of Russia as a place of having salt mines. Shows how little I know about Russia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man that's so cool next is the inverted tower in Quinta della Ragliola no Regali area no Regali yeah I think you're good Regali I just <laughs> I wanted to add an O in there and I don't know why I think because there's something else I'm thinking of it's in Portugal yeah Portuguese is similar to Spanish but it's got it's got like an extra thanks Frank Oof to it. <laughs> <laughs> this one. So one look at this date from the outside and all you see is beauty. Like this amazing view that it doesn't exist outside. And 
The only issue is that it's really confusing <laughs> for <laughs> explorers because it's inverted. So basically imagine a tower that's built down into the mountain into a hole. So you're not seeing it like on the outside, you only see this hill and stuff until you come up top of the hill and you look down, you see the tower. So it's oh. really confusing. That would give me so much anxiety because I'm afraid of heights. Like looking down. Oh my God. It's so far down. <laughs> it's so pretty, but Jesus. Yeah. It's a, it's basically like a super deep well. That's really yeah. what it is. Yeah. The, no bars, probably. You just fall right in. Splat. Yeah. You're done. Next, we're going to do just the next one. And that's also in China. And it's like a rainbow mountains. Ooh. The, it's the Zhang Danxi landform. And it's... Special geological structure is a result of a combination of a few factors, and that's like freeze and thaw and peeling, water erosion, and long-term weathering and wind erosion. So, like all these kind of forms, <laughs> all these kind of forms of erosions happening and stuff. And you basically you have these like rock sand dune looking type of mountains, but with all these different shades of red, white, blue. And yellows and oranges and stuff. And it's really beautiful. It looks like a prism. You know, you have a crystal and it makes that color on the wall. It looks like that, but on a mountain. It's yep. so cool. Next is Maldives. And there's, I'm not going to go into it. It's just, there's this really cool restaurant underwater in Maldives. Listen, the Maldives is also in my like top five bucket mm-hmm. list. It's apparently very cheap to stay. It's like a hundred bucks a night at a place like this. It's just getting there because it's, basically india so for us it's a very long flight (laughs) but oh my god like the water is the most crystal and just i can't imagine sleeping under an ocean like how peaceful and relaxing would it be to see your little fishies flying by unless you go all jaws scene where the jaws busts up the underground tunnel that'd be very stressful but what's the likelihood honestly I don't think it would be that bad. I think it's pretty safe. (laughs) I'm going to skip down to number five on the list. And that is in Finland. And Tyru, I need you to help me pronounce this hotel name. Ooh. Keenan, why don't you give it a shot? Oh. Okay. Oh. (laughs) My first thought was not great. (laughs) Uh, Do they have hard Ks? I I think they do. That's what I was saying. It looks like Coxlotin. <laughs> it's me. Um Like Coxlotin. Uh that's what yeah, when we had her on for the mini, I was talking about this place. The okay. glass igloo, so you can see the northern lights. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce it, but that just seems like the coolest experience ever. Yeah. So just to recap, guys, this is these are basically glass igloos, and the very top of the roof is it's, it's glass, so you can see the northern lights from it, and it's just beautiful. Oh, You're man. Out the forest, checking out the northern lights as you go to sleep. How cool would that be? Oh, man. Oh, 155 miles north of the Arctic Circle. Yikes, that seems very cold. It does. <laughs> um, uh, all right, I'm going to skip down to number two, and this is in France. And this is the, ca- the cave of St. Marcel de 
No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop here. And, and it's French, so who knows? I'm probably saying way too many of the things, anyways, because they only pronounce three letters out of every word. <laughs> Even if there's only two letters, they still pronounce three. <laughs> so true. <laughs> oh, did you see that meme that Luciano put on the speakeasy about French? Yeah, the <laughs> like every word was there, and like the whole thing. Oh, it was so funny. Made me laugh really hard. <laughs> really pretty. So yeah, this is in France, and so you feel like you're basically transported to another world, and it's basically thinking like a again another kind of supernatural, futuristic cave-like, where it's your classic cave on top, but on the bottom is these pools of water and it makes me think of fern gully where there's like that sea around in the water that's what makes me think of little pieces chunks of water pools so while you're in the cave you'll find some treasures that may find of interest like waterfall of brimstones and and uh magical shapes and everything and chambers and they're basically like water basins and the fountain of the virgin is there and, and the king's table and the Painter's gallery, if you travel along the 600-meter path. And so it's just a really neat. I don't know. It's just cool. It's just beautiful. The last one is these lakes in Croatia. Ooh. You want to give it a try of the name? Pleatweiss? Great. We're going to roll with that. <laughs> I'm sure Croatia has like I don't know. I keep on like trying to pronounce things like we would an American, and that is not right. <laughs> I want to say VJ. Like oh yeah, L I T V I C E. So like Pluvice. Oh, that makes more sense. Yes, Pluvice lakes in Croatia, but we don't know if you're from Croatia or you know know any of these places. Any of these places, <laughs> please let us know. Don't you wouldn't hurt her feelings. Take a video of you saying it right and send it to us. Historicalafpod yeah. at gmail.com. We would be delighted. Yeah. We are not trying to be offensive at all. No, not at all. We are just <laughs> humble hillbillies just trying our best. We only know how to read these words, maybe not pronounce them. <laughs> yeah. In my head, I sound so smart. <laughs> then it comes out and it's just like um so basically these lakes are kind of like floating lakes they look like they're at the top of the trees um, with these random waterfalls so pretty and if you just spend time there it's just it's just beautiful um trying to see if there's anything it says like the velky slap is actually like is what one of the views is called, and that's where it recommends to get the view is the Velky Slap. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, <so> it, <laughs> it features clear, uh, crystal clear waters that flow across different lakes, and a series of waterfalls just over and overlapping, made of different terrace limestone lakes. So that's what it's made out of limestone. Just really beautiful. Looks like you're in a pool in the trees. That's, that's amazing. God, some of this stuff is like, I don't even think I can imagine something that pretty. That's just so cool. Mm-hmm. 
especially the very first one in China, those those caves, the painted caves. That one just blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, so in this article, there's 20 things. I only did like two thirds of them. So I recommend you give it a Google or check out our website to actually see the link and see what we're talking about. And of course, on Instagram, we'll post pictures, probably grab a few of these so you can get the gist we're talking about. Because these places are just really beautiful and majestic. The Red Beach and painted caves. It's, it's, It's too beautiful to believe in. It's true. <laughs> this one is weird to me. I'm like, how do I not know about these places? Like these are actual places, historical places that you can visit. I've only heard of one. I am shocked. Man. That was such a good one. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Blew me away. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, thanks guys for listening. So excited you came back. Mm-hmm. For Seeky. If you want more, like this isn't enough. You need more. Join Patreon and you can watch us live and watch the like hour we cut out every episode <laughs> <laughs> or more. And you can comment along. It's so fun. We love having comments while we're talking. It's really cool to have like interaction and like ideas. I mean, to be honest, most of them are funnier than anything I come up with. So. Show us your wit. Join Patreon. Patreon.com. Com. 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 Slash historically have pod. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, like I mentioned on our Instagram and social media, historical AF pod. And that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And of course our Gmail. Cause we loved all kinds of stories and uh, secrets. If you want to send in your secrets anonymously, if you don't want your name ever mentioned, that's fine. Uh, but I recommend is you get one, you get to see what we're talking about. Like whenever an episode is released, Kina always puts up photos of what we're talking about, like these gorgeous places that I've just mentioned. And of course, memes and all kinds of funny craziness. It's just cool. Look us up. How it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, merch shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. We got lots of stuff. Anything you could ever want. <laughs> Buy our wares. <laughs> yeah, it's now up and running. The pandemic. They've like adjusted their ways. Yeah, yeah. They're able to create while practicing social distancing. And uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. And I hope everybody stays safe and healthy and home <laughs> if you can. And we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye, Zeus.